It is the week before Thanksgiving, which is always an exciting time to be at the Times Union. To borrow a popular descriptor of this season, it's when we bake up our plumpest paper of the year. It's chock full of Black Friday deals and coupons and special sections. You do not want to miss it. And if you order it early, you pre-order it, you'll also get a $10 Price Chopper Market 32 gift card. So don't miss out on that. Head over to timesunion.com to nab yours now. And with that delicious intro, welcome to our Eagle podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Marshall. Today, we are going to turn inward a little bit here on this podcast and talk about the state of local journalism, which, according to a recent study by Northwestern University's Medill School of Journalism, my alma mater, by the way, it's not looking good. According to that study, a quarter of the country's newspapers have shuttered since 2005, and in less than two years, they're predicting that that total will creep up to a third of the country's newspapers. They're calling it a, quote, crisis for our democracy, where news deserts are growing and leaving communities with limited access to critical news and information that they need to make decisions in their daily lives. Here in New York, nearly half of our local papers are gone. This has more than just journalists and concerned citizens worried, though. Some state lawmakers are, too. They're all hoping that the Local Journalism Sustainability Act can help close that gap of dying news organizations. Through a proposed tax credit, local newspapers, web-only publications, and broadcast stations could receive funds to hire more journalists and expand their local coverage. Former Buffalo News editor, public editor of the New York Times, and media columnist for The Washington Post, Margaret Sullivan, came to the Times Union this week. She headed up a panel at the Hearst Media Center on the fate of local journalism and the future of democracy. Also on the panel was New York Press Association's Judy Patrick, Capital Region Independent Media Publisher Mark Vinciguera, News Guild President John Schloss, and our own Times Union Editor-in-Chief Casey Seiler. It begins now with Margaret Sullivan talking. I think it's really important to understand why we're having this crisis of local journalism. And so much of it has to do with the business model, um, which has deteriorated. And, you know, in simplest terms, and you may all know this, but I think it's worth repeating, is that... um, you know, for the longest time, at least in the newspaper world, our revenue essentially came from print advertising. I mean, maybe a third of it came from subscriptions or buying the paper, but most of it came from print advertising. And when the internet came along and Craigslist and Google and Facebook, um, it really siphoned that revenue away. And now we're trying to figure out how to bridge to the next you know, way of having a sustainable business model. And this bill that we're talking about, because it is a five-year bill with an expiration date, uh, it it allows that sort of um, evolution to happen. And hopefully you get to a point where you don't need the tax credit anymore and, you know, things are rolling because you've figured out how to function in this new world. Um, Okay, but my example is, well, I just want to ask a question here. Uh, how many people in the audience, just please raise your hand, if you have um, flown on a plane since um, in the past, say, five years? 
Okay, like oh, wow. pretty much everybody. Uh, probably more in the past two years, I'm guessing, rather than the, the ones before that. But, um, well, I will tell you that you flew safely and you are here. And um, you, that might not have been the case if it weren't for some really important reporting at the Buffalo News. So I don't know if you can cast your mind back, but there was a terrible crash in 2009 in Buffalo, Colgan Flight 3407. Uh, the flight was from Newark to Buffalo. Uh, the plane went into a stall. Um, it crashed in a field and hit a home. And everybody on the plane, including the pilot and one person in the home, died. And it was a terrible, terrible tragedy. And you know, the national media covered it, and we at the Buffalo News covered it, and then they went away, and two reporters at the Buffalo News, Jerry Zaremski and Tom Precious, Tom was our Albany bureau chief, um, and, and Jerry was our, um, our Washington bureau chief, they really dug into what had happened um, and over months, and they uh, essentially found out that pilot error was at fault, and you know, through their research and the sort of advocacy of the families of Flight 3407, uh, federal regulations were changed dramatically um, because of the reporting and because of the advocacy sort of playing off each other. And so I just want to quote the sort of results in some statistics, which will be brief. Um, so. Um, this is the before and after of the aviation safety reforms that became law in 2010, so basically a year after the crash. In the two decades leading up to the Buffalo crash, 1,186 people died in commercial plane crashes in the United States. But in the decade after the new regulations were put in place, there was only one such death, and that was caused by a jet window that shattered, not by a crash. Zaremski's and Precious's journalism saved lives, and it's not an exaggeration to say that as a result, Americans fly much more safely now than they did in February 2009. So we're very proud of that reporting, um, and I'm sorry to say that I wonder, uh, I really wonder whether the Buffalo News and other newspapers of its size would be able to devote that kind of investigative time. It takes a lot of time to do this work. It takes time, commitment, it takes resources, it takes smart journalists. And if you have, I mean, the newsroom I ran was 200 people when I first got there. By the time I left, we had shrunk down to 145. And now um, it's probably, I mean, it's well under 100, probably closer to 50. And you cannot do the same, the same level of work at let's say 50 or 70 people than you can do that you could do at 200. And so it really makes a difference um, in many, many ways. Not only this investigative work, but in that bearing witness, you know, they're in just having a reporter sitting in the room in the Common Council or the Zoning Board or whatever, the school board, whatever it may be. It really matters. And, um, and that's why it's so important that we figure out a way to sustain it and to sort of bridge that gap between the old ways, which were very, very profitable, 
uh, to the new days where papers are barely keeping their heads above water. It's true. I think I hope we've convinced you that uh, we journalism does do uh, good work and we're important to the communities. But this idea that we are facing these increased challenges. Back when I was a reporter, I was able to cover the Saratoga County Sewer Commission meeting, the Saratoga Springs Recreation Commission meeting, the uh, every zoning and planning board meeting there was in Saratoga Springs. And believe me, I, we, I spent a lot of my life uh, watching meetings. Saratoga yeah, in, in meetings. Uh, but that, that's just not true. I mean, Casey, do you have, I mean, what kind of challenges do you face that um, maybe the newsroom of 20 year, years ago didn't face? No. <laughs> and, and you have a, a very, so you have a very big geographic yeah. area you cover. Uh, yeah, I mean we we are we are lucky and or ambitious in that um, despite the, the the diminution of our staff size, we are geographically reaching out. We have an an outstanding Hudson Valley bureau that is hopefully picking up. Well, they're definitely I know picking up the slack. Um, that is left by the diminution of other newsrooms down in you know communities like like Poughkeepsie and and other places, um, but boy, I mean uh, the Times Union um, uh, that I arrived at at the very beginning of two thousand was a newsroom that was about double the size, and we it, it meant we had investigative writers. Paul well remembers we had people who could work on a story for. You know, two months if it was determined that that was a, a worthwhile project. Um, uh, we had a, a, a wonderful, robust art department um, that definitely gave the paper, uh, the, the, much like the, the Buffalo News, a, a, a very distinctive, sophisticated look. I mean, I can remember working with Greg Montgomery, one of our outstanding illustrators, on preview covers when I was the entertainment editor, and we would have just a fantastic time conceptualizing these great, witty, um, stylish covers. And that has, that's just one of the, one of the many resources that have kind of, kind of fallen by the wayside. But um, I would say, um, certainly on the news side, the ability to, to cover individual communities on a granular level, to have one reporter um, covering, uh, you know, like Malta and Boston Spa, as opposed to uh, two reporters um, or sometimes one and a half reporters covering all of Saratoga County. Um, and yes, yes, we have beat reporters who mix in on criminal justice matters, on political matters, on business and that type of thing, who can range all over the, um, the region. But um, it, the, the, the lack of, of that kind of granular um, ability to be kind of boots on the ground in all of those meetings there is a there is a definite cost there, and once again, the Times Union is in relatively healthy shape to compared to um, a, a number of of other upstate newspapers, without a doubt. All right, John. So uh, there are a number of uh, there is a there's state legislation that's been proposed as well as federal legislation. Uh, they are called the Local Journalism Sustainability Act, and I'm turning to John to try to explain or to explain to us what they are, what they would do, and what their differences may be. Yeah, and let me just add a little bit more context. As you've heard at the local level how we've lost a lot of journalists um, in specific newsrooms uh, here in New York State, but nationally we have lost 30,000 journalists in 10 years 
That's about half of all journalists who were employed back in 2008. And the business uh, climate really changed with the loss of print circulation and the loss of print advertising um, dollars, but it really expanded in the, the 2008 recession. And we've seen a clustering of the majority of the journalists who are left, or, or a good portion of the journalists who are left in the country, being clustered in large cities, right? New York City and Los Angeles and Washington, D.C., not at the local level. And because we've lost that 30,000 or more than 30,000 journalists, particularly at the local level, we're paying for that cost, right? We're paying for it with, with the lack of safety, but we're also paying for it because when we don't have people go to city uh, council meetings or go to county boards or cover the school board, um, taxes go up, corruption goes up because no one's minding the store. So your taxes and, and your money that you're, you're forking over uh, locally is increasing and there isn't a watchdog that's making sure that it's spent uh, and being accountable to you, the taxpayer. So with that huge loss of the number of folks, um, this legislation is really focused on the idea that we need more people, right? Because we've lost more than those 30,000 people and we need to bring more jobs back to local journalism. So the Local Journalism Sustain Sustainability Act um, here in New York State is really a jobs bill. How do we as the state government, or I'm not the state government, but how does the state government or how does the government as a public really incentivize uh, bringing more jobs back? When this country was founded, we had this goofy idea where we'd allow people to vote. And to be able to vote, you actually have to know what's going on. So uh, there was the formation of the, the Postal Service was really um, meant to actually help uh, subsidize the free flow of information. You know, right there in the top of the Bill of Rights is a free press. And if we're going to commit to that, then we have to use a system when the federal government at the time really to subsidize uh, magazines and newspaper articles going through the mail uh, at a very reduced uh, cost for the publisher so that we could spread information. So the Local Journalism Sustainability Act is really, I think, in essence, uh, another way to do that, but focused on jobs. So here in New York State, it would provide a tax credit to publishers to be able to uh, employ more journalists and also retain the ones they have. Uh, that would do a tax credit up to $25,000 a year, uh, but it's based on a percentage of the salary that you pay to those journalists, and it's really focused on the local level because that's where we've lost so many people. So that's the goal is let's bring more bodies back to Albany, let's bring more bodies back to, to Buffalo because we've lost so many people. Now, this legislation comes up as a number of other business models are being experimented with across the country. Some newspapers have gone to uh, membership models. Some some are trying to be to get the revenue they need to operate through foundations or through um, major grants. Um, not, Every, everyone's trying something different to see what will work for the long time, long haul. And what we're really worried about, at least from my perspective, is a sustainable uh, way of providing that revenue. And was curious with Mark. So you run these small papers. How are you managing to keep things going and to even expand at this point? That's a good question. Um, sometimes I ask myself that at three in the morning. <laughs> I get into it. But uh, realistically. Uh, what what I the model I try to do is something that may make people in the daily world cringe if it's done pr improperly. But we've tried to do it at a better and more humane scale locally. And what that is is essentially clustering. We've you know, there's there's people that we, we can bring more with seven newspapers in its in a defined geographic area. We're able to find efficiencies that maybe as a one newspaper you wouldn't be able to find that efficiency. So you know we're able to share some resources and things. 
that uh, you know when, when bills are sent out for all seven papers are sent in one central location uh, when there's advertising uh, art that's being developed or pagination they're done locally but there's there's synergies and, and uh, efficiencies done by bringing those together so that's one way beyond that the real way that we're able to do it is just put feet on the street you know we're we just had a meeting last night where we're we're adding to our, our staff we want more journalists out there in the end you know, I talk about my consulting situation in Maine. I mean, our view there is to bring back and add to the staff. That's the reality of it. Um, we have to, what, without, the, without journalism, what's the product that we're selling anyway? Why would an advertiser want to be in it? Why would a reader want to buy it? We have to do better and cover more uh, and we'll find a way to do that. And then that's really the challenge. So what we're, we're trying to do is take efficiency and reallocate it to reporting, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know, one of the things that national studies will show that local news has is more trusted, a uh, more trusted source of information than, than national news, for example. Um, that's one of the things national or local news outlets are very concerned about keeping because um, we want people to trust us uh, when we're trusted, where people are more likely to go to us as a source of information. So when we start talking about perhaps it getting subsidized by the federal government, the concern is, will that erode our trust? Or, and, and Margaret, especially about the ethics of it. I'm sure all the all us old-time journalists are thinking, oh, man, this is uh, we're not so sure about taking money. So right. how, how do we deal with that? Right. It's, it is... It has always been kind of um, a third rail, something you didn't want to touch to ever think about having any kind of government involvement in um, the funding of a news organization. I mean, that was just not anything we wanted to deal with. And frankly, for a long time, we didn't have to. Um, you know, just to give an example of, um, uh, of in Buffalo, we were, you know, we were making a clear profit of $50 million a year for years and years and years. So, you know, we really weren't thinking about asking the government for help, um, just shipping the money to Warren Buffett, um, who sold the paper in 2020, or 2019. Um, you know, so it is, it is something that uh, makes me a little uncomfortable but I think it's more important that we sustain journalism. And I think that it, that it is possible to build sort of guardrails into this legislation, and I think they are in the legislation, so that you're not in some sort of situation where you have elected officials um, trying to tell news organizations what to do or say if you run that story I'm going to withdraw your funding. It's just not going to work that way. If the news organization meets the qualifications it gets the funding. If it doesn't meet the qualifications it doesn't get the funding. It's not a pay to play in any sense. It's also, I, we were talking about this earlier, it's very uncomfortable for journalists like, like us to even be in a situation where we're backing legislation. It's just not something that we've tended to do. Maybe if you're an editorial writer or on the editorial board. But in general, it's like, nope, we're over here. We watch you guys. We're not gonna we're not gonna advocate. But I think that we are in a situation in which um, we have to think a little bit differently. Um, so you know that's kind of why I'm I'm here and why I've I do support the Local Journalism Sustainability Act, and I really urge you to, too. 
and to and to make some noise about it to tell your elected officials to tell the governor's office local journalism matters to me and i know there's this bill that's being considered and i like it i think you should you know get behind it i think that would i think it would make an incredible difference if everyone in this room did that so um i i urge you to John, is the uh, state legislation more likely to move forward than the federal? Well, I mean, have you all seen what's going on in Washington, D.C.? <laughs> uh, you know, throwing punches and such uh, and barely keeping the government running. Yeah, I'd say uh, my money would be on uh, a good state like New York. Um, uh, but, you know, it's going to take work, right? We need the governor to hear directly from voters that they care about democracy in New York State, and that means supporting journalists in New York State. There's other legislation around the country. There's um, an effort in California to try to get money from Google and Facebook uh, and, and provide like a fee-based structure there. Um, Wisconsin, actually Republicans in Wisconsin are actually pushing for a tax credit uh, to subsidize local businesses advertising in local news uh, publications. This one here I think is like one of the best because it's a jobs bill and it would you know impact positively uh, publications like newspapers like the Times Union but also nonprofit digital only publications uh, that maybe only publish online uh, and also broadcast stations and you know to Margaret's point earlier, you know, we already subsidize uh, really great programming and journalism through PBS and NPR. Um, we're an international union. We represent folks in Canada, too. And we've got about 5,500 uh, members. A big chunk of those are journalists that work for the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, which is really subsidized by the federal government in Canada. But it provides and makes sure that there's local reporting all across Canada. Um, and so it, it can be done. Uh, and I think you know, incentivizing jobs is the best way to do it. For more on the discussion from this panel and more on other stories that we cover, visit timesunion.com or check us out on any of our social channels. All right, that's it for this week. I'm Jessica Marshall. We are taking next week off, so everybody have a happy Thanksgiving, and we will talk to you again the week after. The Eagle is a production of The Times Union. It's produced and edited by me with help from The Times Union digital team and the newsroom. enjoying this podcast, take advantage of all the Times Union has to offer and support our efforts to bring you award-winning journalism by becoming a Times Union subscriber today. Go to timesunion.com slash subscribe.